Brazilian politicians are already moving pieces around the board for the 2020 municipal elections, with some even thinking about the 2022 presidential succession, only six months into Jair Bolsonaro's four-year term. But another election is looming, one that has largely gone under the radar of the Brazilian press, despite its potentially significant effects on the Brazilian economy. On October 27, Argentinians are heading to the polls to choose who will lead their nation for the next four years. And based on what we've seen so far, the race to the Casa Rosada will be extremely hard-fought and polarized. Don't worry, you haven't tuned into the wrong podcast. This remains a show about Brazil, but the close ties between South America's top two economies make any major political or economic event across the border important for Brazilians. And the 2019 presidential race certainly makes the cut. My name is Gustavo Ribeiro, editor-in-chief of the Brazilian Report, and this is Explaining Brazil. After 12 years of left-leaning populist administrations led by Nestor and Cristina Kirchner, Argentinians opted for change in 2015. Concerned with crippling 30% a year inflation, the return of poverty and mounting corruption scandals, they chose, by a narrow margin, wealthy businessman Mauricio Macri over the candidate of Kirchnerism. This was one of the many ways the so-called pink tide of leftish governments in Latin America came to an end. It was the end of the commodity boom um, on the one hand. This is Monica Yanekiev, Buenos Aires correspondent for the state-owned Brazilian Broadcasting Corporation, or EBC. On the other hand, there were mistakes made, many, like um, at the end of the government where, where things, the economy was not doing that well anymore. She decided to um, forbid people to buy dollars. This is the way people here um, save their money. They don't put it into a savings account. They buy dollars because they think, and with reason, if you look back, that the dollar will always do better no matter what. It will resist the crisis, which is not the case with the peso. When she said people can no longer buy dollar because she was trying to keep the dollar in check, that made Argentines feel that something was really wrong. And it just made them um, mistrust her more than, than, than before. Um, so that was also a, another problem. She fought with the biggest uh, newspaper here, which also owns the television, you know, it was, it was me against them and the, the press is the enemy. So she was either loved or hated. It was also notable for the victory of a non-Peronist politician. Politics in Argentina nearly always means Peronism. Of course, Peronism has been many things over the years, from fascism to corporatism to pro-market liberalism. A non-Peronist has won free and fair elections in Argentina only two times, in 1983 and 1999, when the liberal radical civic union took the presidency. 
Both times, those governments were undone by chaos related to economic crisis. Macri is the first president for neither the Peronist camp nor the radical civic union. Will he also serve only one term because of worsening economic circumstances? In the first 10 months of 2018, the Argentine peso lost 52% of its value against the U.S. dollar, bringing havoc to a country that has seen its fair share of economic ups and downs, a chaotic system that has marked Argentina for decades. Upon taking office, Mauricio Macri promised to kickstart a new era, one in which Argentina would become a quote-unquote normal country. I asked Adrian Bono, CEO of The Essential, an English-based newsletter about Argentina's politics and economics, what exactly he meant. He was referring to some of the most controversial practices that the Kirchnerista government was putting in place. You know, the fact that um, the, the figures, the poverty figures or the inflation figures in, in Argentina uh, couldn't be trusted and were not trusted by international organizations um, because the government was either lying about them or just not measuring them at all. Um, I guess that what he meant to say was um, have a more uh, amicable or stable uh, relationship, business and diplomatic relationship with uh, uh, countries in the Western world, such as the United States or uh, some countries in Europe like the UK, um, Germany, uh, uh, and maybe Japan, uh, other countries that he felt that would profit from um, having a much better relationship with Argentina rather than what uh, Christina Kirchner used to do when she was president, which was uh, as opposed or some, somehow opposed um, uh, to a, relation, a friendly relationship with those countries and instead focus on uh, having a stronger ties with um, Russia uh, or Venezuela um, or Cuba. So uh, maybe also referring to the very controversial memorandum of understanding um, with Iran that, that sought to create a, a truth committee that would um, have Argentina and Iran investigate who was behind the, the bombing of the 1994 um, Amia Jewish Community Center, which was um, you know, both domestically and internationally criticized because it said that it put... Iran, who was suspected of uh, being behind the attack as part of the investigation. In 2017, things seemed to be going the president's way. Macri's coalition crushed the opposition in midterm elections, winning the largest share of votes, 42%, ahead of the 22% achieved by the Kishnerist coalition. Macri claimed at the time that this was only the beginning of what would be a consequential transformation. Almost two years later, Argentina is indeed transformed, but not in the way Macri intended. Since 2018, everything that could go wrong for the country, dead. The economy is tanking. Prices are rising again despite the government efforts to tame them. Argentina has become the biggest client of the International Monetary Fund, and Kirchnerism seems to have gained steam. Senator Cristina Fernandez de Kirchner, 
who ran the country between 2007 and 2015, is back. Not as a presidential candidate, but instead running for vice president. Leading the ticket is Alberto Fernandes, who was chief of staff to Nestor Kirchner a decade or so ago. Cristina has the support of, maybe you could say, around 30% of the population, right? Give or take. However, the, the other 70% have very, very negative feelings towards her. Um, she is a, she's a toxic uh, political figure in a way. Her best strategy was always to not speak because having her speak was the best thing that could happen to Macri because it somehow reminded a lot of people of what things were like when she was in office. Or well, one of the reasons why she decided to uh, you know, become uh, a VP candidate and not president was that um, she needed someone who uh, was not as... Uh, as toxic, who could somehow unite the extremists with the moderates, um, who could somehow bring uh, together the Peronists and the Kirchneristas, and who somehow reminded a lot of people of what is considered to be the best years of the Kirchner uh, legacy, which was um, 2003 to 2007, when Nestor Kirchner was in office. Let's not forget that Alberto Fernandez was he was Nestor Kirchner's um, chief of staff. Um, so um, it's, it's interesting that in many of the uh, TV ads that he does, especially, do, especially those um, targeting younger people, he has to start the ad by saying, you probably don't remember me because, because someone who's 18 years old today or 20 years old today um, was you know, five years old when Nestor Kirchner was president. What are the main differences in terms of proposals by these two tickets? If you look at the strategy that both of them have, is a strategy of extreme polarization. It's a strategy where um, both Macri and Alberto Fernandez are telling you, uh, it's me or, or the abyss. It's me or complete disaster. But if you listen to their, um, or if you try to find some actual uh, policy, there's very little. There's almost none. It's the, 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 the war cry for them is vote for me because the other guy sucks. Is it possible to say there is a clear-cut favorite? I think it remains way too unpredictable. It's, uh, it's, the difference is not that big between both of them in the sense that if you take in, in consideration the margin, the, the errors that might be, you know, it's not really... In order to be elected for the... Um, in October, you need a 45% vote, which is not the case. None of them so far have that. Um, so that would be, there would be a runoff. There would be a, a second election after that. And now, but we will know more about this on August 11th, because on August 11th, there will be something, it was here in Argentina, it's called the PASO. It's, it's like a primaries but it's it's obligatory. So you have to go out and vote just as you would in an election. The difference is that you don't elect anyone. This was a system created so that you would pick the candidates from each party. If a party had, let's say, two or three uh, presidential candidates, then the people would pick which one 
would really run for the election. But as things stand now, uh, all parties already have just one candidate. They already decided on one person. So it's not that you're you're there isn't a, a you're not disputing who will uh, run for a party. So this will be basically it's like a, a pre-election. So you, we will have a feel of how people are doing uh, on August 11th. It's better than any any uh, poll because it will be really people going out and voting. Technically tied with his challenger, even the president, a true right-winger, has embraced Peronism. That is, the legacy of former populist president Juan Domingo Perón and his second wife, Eva. Or Evita. You know, Madonna. Don't cry for me, Argentina. If you look at if you look at the three main tickets in Argentina this year, the three of them have a very strong Peronist figure, um, and and this sort of like confirms um, the uh, a very well known phrase that uh, Peron used back in the 70s when he was being interviewed by a journalist here, who asked him how he thought that the Argentina electorate was divided. And he said, well, you have 33% liberals, 33% socialists, 33% communists. The journalist famously asked, but sir, you forgot the Peronists. And Peron, kind of like as a joke, but also seriously said, oh, come on, everyone is a Peronist. After the break, how the Argentinian election may affect Brazil. We'll be right back. Hey, I'm Ewan Marshall, editor of The Brazilian Report. I want to invite you to subscribe to our brand new sports newsletter. Every Monday morning, we talk about all things Brazilian sports. And it's not only about football. We cover other sports, as well as plenty of behind-the-scenes political stuff, cultural aspects, and the business side of sports. Our sports newsletter goes beyond the scores, and it's free. So just go to brazilian.report and you can get it in your inbox. Argentina is Brazil's third biggest trading partner and the main destination of Brazilian manufactured goods. That's one of the main reasons why anything that happens there affects us here. As our neighbors undergo a major inflation crisis, with the peso losing 140% of its value within one year, Brazilian exports took a major hit. Between January and March, shipments to across the Rio de la Plata dipped 42%. Brazilian President Jair Bolsonaro did something unusual for a head of state by not only picking a side in the fight, but actually echoing Macri's campaign discourse that Argentina will become a new Venezuela if the Kirchnerist ticket wins. Did this have any repercussions in Argentina? I, I think that Argentines are right now so focused on what's happening here that, you know, you can have um, the, uh, the, you know, Donald Trump or uh, Jair Bolsonaro or any other controversial president around the world Uh, endorse Macri, um, and it's it's brushed off as unimportant or just like something, like nothing more than an afterthought. However, 
um, if you, for example, if you have, uh, I don't know, Nicolas Maduro in Venezuela endorse Alberto Fernandez, uh, that would hurt him much more um, because um, in Argentina, the, 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 the Maduro government is viewed as uh, a very uh, negative one. Adrian Bono, CEO of The Essential. I think that if we listen to what Bolsonaro uh, said in the last few days, when he was asked about the possibility of Christina Kirchner returning to office, you know, in a, in a very Bolsonaro style, he said, well, if that happens, then we're going to start having problems. All that go to hell. I think that considering how volatile both Bolsonaro and Christina Kirchner are, um, and how they probably dislike each other, or at least Bolsonaro has been very vocal about that. Um, I think that it could even be the Mercosur that's at stake. Let's not let's not forget that Bolsonaro was uh, when he and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but when uh, a few weeks before uh, inauguration day, it, it he made it sound, or his economy minister made it sound as if the Mercosur was not a priority or even obsolete. Um, Am I correct about that? Yes. Economy Minister Paulo Guedes said that. Mercosul não é prioridade. Não, não é prioridade. Monica Yanakiev, the EBC correspondent in Buenos Aires, however, believes that relations between the two countries should not suffer a major bump, no matter who wins. If Cristina got elected, there would, I don't think there would be a change because Argentina cannot... Uh, not be with Brazil. So they would work things out somehow. And the fact that she has, as the, the person that will be president is Alberto Fernandez, not Cristina Kirchner. So it's a new face, a man that has different ideas. He's much, he's more like known to be more moderate than she is supposedly. So he could come and, and make a different speech. And also, um, so I don't think there would be many ties. I don't. They, they certainly Bolsonaro and Macri have more affinity, as do Trump and and Bolsonaro and Trump and Macri, uh, which is not the case with Cristina Kirchner. But they won't be able. I don't see a major change happening. Like we will no longer work with Brazil. Also, you have the Mercosur, which are you, people are, they're all inside the same block. On October 27, Argentinians will say their piece. This podcast was written and prepared by me, Gustavo Ribeiro. Alex Hohuli edited the final script. And Maria Marta Bruno produced this show. If you like this podcast, rate us on any platform you may be listening to Explaining Brazil. It takes only a second, but it is really important for us. And make sure to visit our website, brazilian.report, and enjoy all of our content for free for seven days. And our free trial is really free. You don't have to submit any credit card information whatsoever. Just Go to brazilian.report slash subscribe. You can also support independent journalism by donating any amount of money to the Brazilian Report. Go to brazilian.report slash donate. 
If you want to follow us on Facebook and Twitter, our handle is at Brazilian Report. That's all for now. See you next week. We'll be right back.